Aloha, I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Welcome to The Body Show. Each week we talk about health and fitness, but none of what we discuss replaces a visit to your own primary care provider. Now, how can you keep your your skin safe for the summer and stay out of the sun but get enough to enjoy it? Well, today we're going to hear all about the tricks and tips to making sure that we can keep our skin as healthy as possible. Skin is, after all, the largest organ of the body. So today I'm here in the studio with Dr. Teresa DeVere. She's from Kaiser Permanente, and she is the dermatology queen of all things skin. And we're going to talk a little bit today about ways that people can keep them their, their largest organ of the body, that skin, super healthy and things you might be able to identify that suggest you need to be concerned. So thanks for joining me today in the studio. Thank you for having me. Now, the first thing I think about when I think about skin and I'm here in the islands and I grew up on the East Coast, I think about sun exposure not all sun exposure is bad. We need a little bit of sun. We need some vitamin D. How much is okay for the general average person? Well, you're right. Sun is good and bad for the skin. So vitamin D production is one of the best things about sun exposure to the skin. You can get enough vitamin D really in 10 minutes a day of unprotected sun. Uh, You can also get vitamin D without sun exposure. So you can get it through diet. You can get it through supplements. Uh, So you don't really need to be out for long periods of time just to generate vitamin D. Uh, uh, So we recommend that as far as safe sun exposure, that uh, you protect yourself from the sun if it's beyond 10 minutes. And is there a certain time of day where the sun might be stronger than other times? It is. So anytime midday, which is really defined... Anytime between 10 and 4, really, around here uh, is the highest UV exposure. And it's those UV rays that we're really concerned about. Yes. So if I go to the beach at 5 p.m., it's not going to be as much exposure as between that 10 to 4. That's correct. But there still is significant UV even at 5 p.m. in Hawaii. So uh, I would still protect yourself. So just because I say it's cloudy, that doesn't mean I don't have to wear sunscreen. That's right. And even on a cloudy day, there's a lot of UVA rays that come through, and uh, it's very important to protect your skin. How about if it's raining? If I go to the beach in the rain, is there UVA out in the rain? There actually is. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> going to have to bathe in the stuff. All right. What sort of skin complexion is the highest risk? I mean, I know I've walked around the beach and like seen people in Waikiki and just felt pain for some of the tourists who clearly want to still go out in the sun and they're really red. And I think, oh, you should just stay in the shade today. But what sort of skin complexion is the highest risk for having overall skin problems with sun exposure? The very highest risk is redhead, uh, freckly uh, type, we call it type one skin. And uh, there's just some people just really don't tan. And that is the highest risk of getting skin cancer in that skin type. The next would be uh, blonde, blue eyes, uh, or even green eyes. So really fair complexed skin. You have blonde hair and blue eyes. That would be you. So I'm not second. Okay. All right. So I've got brown eyes and and I'm kind of pale. Am I like a level three? It's, you'd be basically a two, maybe. A two so and a half? I'm a one plus. <laughs> a one plus. Okay. 
All right. So I still have a risk because I do have that fair complexion. For those people who say I always tan when I go out, is that some way to, is that an excuse? Is that like protecting themselves because their skin can handle the sun? Or do some people just naturally have some barrier to the UVA radiation and not have to worry about it? So it's a common misconception that people with dark skin do not get skin cancer or or are highly protected. They're they're still very capable of skin cancer. It's just that they they have some natural pigment and protection, but they develop skin cancers later in life. Um, They still get them. As far as uh, having uh, tan to protect yourself, that's actually... uh, a misnomer. You really should not tan either because tanning is a response of the skin to UV damage. So the melanocytes are the cells that send melanin in response to UV radiation and saying, you know, help, I need to help the skin to protect it. But any tan really is considered damage and could be a sign that DNA damage is happening in the cells. So I can stop being jealous of all the bronzed people that I wish I was. That's right. And the more you tan, the more not only a skin cancer risk, but the more your skin is going to age as well. Okay, I'm just going to be a vampire now. I'm already feeling the age thing. It's going to have to match with my gray hairs that keep <laughs> popping up. All right. So so sun exposure, a little bit is good. Too much is not good. I've also heard theories that your biggest risk of, risk of exposure happened when you were younger, that if you're 70, yes, there is a benefit to keeping your skin protected, but you can't undo the damage you might have done when you were in your 30s or 40s. That is true. You cannot undo the damage. However, now it's known that skin... Uh, damage and uh, exposure is actually something that accumulates over time. And so even at 70, you can still accumulate damage and increase your skin cancer risk. Now, there's different types of skin cancer. There's scary kind like melanoma. There's other ones that I guess maybe I'm not as scared of, but maybe I should be. Those are the basal cell carcinoma, the squamous cell carcinoma. It has to do with different layers or cells of the skin that turn into these abnormal cells that overgrow. So let's talk about those three different types, and then we'll talk a little bit about how sunscreen protects you. So let's talk about the big bad melanoma. That's the one that a lot of people say, I really want to wear sunscreen. I'm afraid. I don't want to get melanoma. It's it's a scary thing. We learn about all these different ways to identify it. Tell me about melanoma. All right. So melanoma is the least common form of the three, but it's also the most deadly. Uh, it also can be cured just like the others with uh, early detection. Melanoma is thought to arise most in people who've had sunburns, so significant sunburns in their lifetime. If you've had five sunburns or more, it doubles your risk of getting melanoma. Uh, This can happen in childhood and adulthood any of those times. So yes, that is certainly the most concerning of of the three. And what are the ABCDs of melanoma? This is a way to help people understand how to detect melanoma. So if you have a mole, and that mole has these characteristics, then it's something to be looked at. So A stands for asymmetry. If you look at a mole, cut it in half. If one side doesn't equal the the other, then that's asymmetric. The B is for border. Uh, If the border has any irregularity to it, any scalloping, any tail, those are also signs. Uh, C is for color. So uh, if the mole is normally brown throughout it and it develops a 
red spot, a white spot, a black spot within it that needs to be looked at. Uh, D stands for diameter. If the diameter is greater than six millimeters, and we usually tell people that's the size of an eraser on a pencil, uh, if it's bigger than that, then it may be something to be looked at, especially if it's something that was small and develops into bigger than six millimeter. E uh, stands for evolving, which basically is encompasses anything that's changing or growing. So if you see any of those things, check in with your regular doc. Sometimes they can spot it. I actually think dermatologists, you guys have like Superman vision. Like you could see something and kind of in your head know what it could evolve into and then also know when you have to be careful and or remove it or take care of it. So melanoma, those are the spots that you look at. They look kind of ugly. They look kind of funky. You get those checked out. But they're not the only thing on the skin. So there are some other types of skin cancer. Let's talk a little bit about the squamous cell. So the squamous cell is a uh, more common type of skin cancer. And that's in people who've had a lot of sun exposure over a period of time. So we see a fair amount of squamous cells in Hawaii. Um, What you'll see typically is a red or pink nodule, or it's going to be a spot that's scaly or scabbing. Uh, Some people will notice that it comes up fairly quickly, and sometimes it'll come up slowly. Uh, Often it itches or it's painful or tender when you press on it. Uh, These are typically found in sun-exposed areas, so face, nose, ears, Back of the hands is a common location for squamous cell carcinoma. Uh, In the men, ears, scalp if if they don't have hair. Uh, So these are, are very common. All right. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. You're listening to The Body Show. I'm here in the studio with Dr. Teresa DeVere, and we're talking today about dermatology, and we're talking about ways to keep your skin healthy in the sun and ways to protect yourself from having some of those changes that occur over time. We'll be right back. Support for The Body Show comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors Ekahi Ornish Lifestyle Medicine, Ulupono Initiative, and Impact Hub Honolulu Co-working. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, here with Dr. Teresa DeVere. She works at Kaiser Permanente, and we are talking today about the fact that the sun is good too much is not so good, and I'm looking at my skin future. So we talked about my potential future of squamous cell carcinoma because I've had I've had some sun exposure, although now I really try not to, so I'm working on that. But also let's talk a little bit about basal cell because that's something that I've seen, and it almost, you know, I've missed it in a couple of patients that I've said, that just doesn't look right, and I'll send them to dermatology, and they'll say it's the pearly white crusty thing, it's basal cell, we've got to take it off. So is that the general, how would you describe a basal cell? Yeah, so basal cell is by far the most common skin cancer. About 80% of skin cancers are basal cell carcinomas. It is typically a slow-growing process, so it usually starts out as a small pink bump. Uh, in darker skin tones, it can be brown in color. A lot of people usually think that it's a pimple or a small mole on their face, and they'll say, gee, I have had this for five years, and it really hasn't changed. 
but it's unusual to get a mole. Say you're 60 years old, it's unusual to have a mole that's only been there for five years. So that's one tip. Uh, Again, it can itch, usually not painful. It can bleed or ulcerate or crust. Uh, So anything that's not healing is a sign. And when you have these diagnoses, the squamous cell, the basal cell, even the melanoma, there is a point where taking it off could be curative. Yes. In fact, all three, if caught early, are very curative. Basal cells have very little potential to spread anywhere. Uh, However, they can be locally destructive. So say you have one on your nose, over time it can actually bore a hole through the nose. Uh, With squamous cell, it uh, moves a little bit faster, but also rarely spreads and has much potential to be cured by removing it. Similarly, uh, melanoma, if caught very early, again, is curative if you can remove it early, uh, but it is the one that can spread and cause serious problems. It's tricky. Mm -hmm. And then there are people who get it in weird spots, like under a toenail. Isn't that Bob Marley? Why am I thinking that? Yes, he did have melanoma under his toe. And they thought it was a bruise or an injury and uh, left untreated. And that's how melanomas in these type of places can be so deadly because they're detected so late. Uh, melanomas on the hands and the feet are more common in darker-skinned individuals. Um, so uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be sun-exposed uh, areas. So check out your hands and feet. And if you got weird-looking spots, get those checked out too. Now, we talked a little bit about sunscreen. What would be the best kind of sunscreen? I know there's barrier sunscreens. There's chemical sunscreens. If I'm going to the beach this weekend... And even if it's raining, you've convinced me I've got to get some sunscreen. What should I be looking for? So the most important thing to look for on the label of a sunscreen is that it has broad spectrum protection against both UVA and UVB rays. Uh, As far as ingredients go, you're right. There are physical blockers and there are chemical blockers. The physical blockers include zinc oxide and titanium dioxide. Zinc oxide protects both UVA and UVB. Titanium dioxide really only protects against UVB. When you look at the chemo, so the physical blockers, what they do is that you put them on the skin and they actually reflect the rays. When you look at chemical blockers, what they do is they absorb into the skin and then they absorb the UV and protect you that way. So as far as chemical uh, ingredients to look for, there are some that also protect UVA or UVB. The UVA protectors are avobenzone, mexoril, and oxybenzone. Oxybenzone also protects against UVB. Uh, There are other sunscreens or chemical blockers that basically only protect against UVB. And um, there's actually a fairly long list of them, and you'll see them octanoxate, homosalicylate, those sort of things. Uh, ingredients. You say them just so easily, just (laughs) they roll off your tongue. Now, in Hawaii, we have some issues because we have the reef. And we know that certain amounts of sunscreen might damage the coral reef. There are some concerns about it. Governor Ige is going to be signing a bill to protect the coral reefs with the idea that it might not be one person who's wearing a sunscreen, but the cumulative effect of lots of people could increase the level in certain areas. What are those particular ingredients that I have to keep an eye out for? So as of January 2021, the ingredients that will not be available to be sold in Hawaii are 
oxybenzone and octanoxate. So if you have a sunscreen with those in it right now, you could use it. You may want to be careful depending on where you're going and if, you, if you're going to a place with a reef. But at a certain point, they will no longer be sold. Correct. In Hawaii, they will no, no longer be sold without a prescription. Without a prescription. That's the other key. So if you really need that one in particular, mm-hmm. it may still be available. That may limit the number of people who use it, which could also in turn limit the amount of exposure to the reefs. Now, what about some of those UVA, UVB clothes? Like, you know, you'll see shirts that say, we protect against the sun. And I think, don't all shirts do that? <laughs> but apparently there are some with special sunscreen fabric. Yes. So a normal T-shirt, say you're wearing a long sleeve T-shirt, is really only an SPF of about 5 to 10. Uh, as far as the UPF rated clothing, it's typically a SPF 50. There's also a product available that you can wash your clothes with that is called SunGuard that provides UV protection to your clothes. It lasts about 30 washes. So you had washed your clothes with it, and now your clothes are the UVA-protected, maybe SPF 50 or so? Yes, Well, that sounds like something I want. All right. And that's easily available? You can find that? You can. So it's under the brand RIT, R-I-T, and I've seen it at Long CVS, Walgreens. Wow. Okay. RIT, R-I-T, not RID, R-I-D, which is something else. You might want to wash with your clothes, but not necessarily for skin protection. Although technically, yes, because I think that's something for lice, but that's just totally separate. RIT, R-I-T. Okay. So I'm going to look for that because that would be a good way to protect yourself. Now, what if I just hang out in the shade? You know, I try and avoid those big sunny beaches and and I'll try and go to places with a lot of trees so that I can kind of hang out in the shade. Am I protected if I'm just not out there in the sun? You're somewhat protected, certainly better than direct sunlight. However, there's reflection off of sand, off of cement, and you're really not completely protected. There is certainly some, some UV coming in through the shade as well. And if you wear a hat, that's good, but some people might not still be able to protect the rest of their face. You really, you know, if you want to have an area of your skin protected, you really got to work on that significantly. How often do you have to reapply sunscreen? So you should reapply sunscreen at least every two hours while you're outdoors. If you're going to be in the water, it's very important to reapply it after you come out of the water because most sunscreen will wash off significantly if you're in the water. There are uh, water resistance ratings on sunscreen. It can either be 40 minutes or 80 minutes. And so those are important things to look for also on the labeling. Uh, it's not it's not really FDA uh, tested. So I think that some of these sunscreens, even if they are rated 40 or 80 minutes, don't always provide that much protection in the water. So it's it's important just to remember to reapply when you come out. Do people who live in places like we do, a little closer to the equator, a little bit more sun, it's basically all year round, do we have greater rates of problems with skin cancer than you might see at other locations on the mainland? Yes, we do. So anything closer to the equator will have a higher rate of skin cancer, particularly in those skin types that are more susceptible. So if you grew up here, if you spend your life here, you're at a higher risk purely because you've been around this all your entire life. If you grew up elsewhere and you move here, there is still a risk. You're not completely immune. That's correct. You've got to make sure you're watching your skin 
make sure you're protecting. Is there any way that you can identify if you've had lots of sun damage over the years? Could someone look in the mirror and go, yeah, I know I'm in trouble. And somebody else go, yeah, I think I'm pretty good. So one indication that I see in the patients who come in is if they have a lot of brown spots covering their shoulders and their back, that is an indication to me that at some point in their life, they've had a significant sunburn. So brown spot people, beware, because you've got you've got troubles. And then if they also have, are there certain age-related things that you can see on skin that may not necessarily be related to skin cancer, but are also other signs of potential prolonged exposure? So yes, so about 90% of skin aging is actually due to UV radiation. So if you're looking at a fair amount of fine lines, uh, if you're looking at sunspots, what we call liver spots or those brown spots on the hands, these are all indications that you've had a fair amount of sun exposure over time. And that's why the only approved anti-aging creams are the ones that have sunscreen in them. Yes. That was a little trick I learned. You can spend hundreds of dollars on fancy face creams for your daytime use or just get a good sunscreen, and it's basically much less expensive and just as protective. That's right. I learned a good lesson there. All right. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, pale and scared of the sun now, here in the studio with Dr. Teresa DeVere from Kaiser Permanente. And if I haven't convinced myself to go buy industrial-sized sunscreen by now, I don't know what will. When we come back, we're going to talk some more about some other skin conditions that people might identify in the summer that might be something they want to keep an eye out for. We'll be right back. Support for The Body Show comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors Wealth Jar, Hawaii Pacific University, and Locations. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and I'm here with Dr. Teresa DeVere. She is a dermatologist at Kaiser Permanente. We've just talked a little bit about the importance of sun protection. We've gone over a couple of the different types of skin cancer, but there's a lot of other things that occur on the skin that you can visually see. Do you ever find yourself, I always wonder this about dermatologists, do you ever find yourself at a party or a social gathering and like you can see some spots that are of concern and you kind of want to say something, but you don't because, you know, that might just be a little inappropriate as party talk. Or do people come up to you and say, can you look at this mole? Can you check this out? Like when you're just interacting as a normal human being, does your dermatology super skill get in the way? Yes, it does. I am very popular at parties for that reason. People come up to me all the time and ask me, can you just check on this one thing? At a wedding one time, they had a special room for me just to check on all the family members. Uh, okay, I hope it wasn't your wedding. <laughs> no, that you it had wasn't. Because that's just going a little uh, overboard. But honestly, I don't mind. I, I love what I do. And if I can you know, help in any way, uh, I'm happy to do it. But yes, I, I have actually approached a couple people uh, in the grocery store line when I'm checking, you know, just happen to see their back and I see a, a mole that looks quite abnormal. I will actually say something. So what are some of the common things that you might see in folks that, you know, would be a cause for concern that someone could see in themselves? Like, you know, I often hear about things like, and, and I swear, dermatologists, you guys have a language of your own. Some of the words that I read, I'm like, I, I don't even know how to pronounce them. 
actinic keratoses, what are those? Why do everybody seem to have a lot of those? And why are we freezing them off of people? Great question. So actinic keratoses are really considered the precursor to squamous cell carcinomas. And they're a sign that you've had significant sun exposure. And it's your body basically saying, this is too much. I've had too much. You need to stop. Uh, not all actinic keratoses will turn into squamous cell carcinomas. In fact, a minority of them will, uh, less than 10%. However, they do have the, the potential to turn into skin cancer, and so that's why oftentimes they're treated. Uh, if people have hundreds of actinic keratoses, certainly their risk will be even higher, and so those are the people we really target trying to reduce the number of, of these precancer actinic keratoses. And how do we treat them? So there's multiple treatments. If they're, uh, if, there's if they're few in number or if there's some that are a little thicker in quality, then sometimes we'll go ahead and treat those with liquid nitrogen, uh, freeze them off. There's also creams that you can apply to the skin that will uh, basically peel them off. So there's topical treatments. Then there's like photodynamic therapy if you mm -hmm. have a lot of those and... Yep. You know. And so we can use a light therapy that uh, is actually a blue light or in some cases a red light and use a photosensitizer to, to uh, absorb into the actinic keratoses and the light will activate just those uh, keratoses and peel them. So then they literally peel right off. Yes. And would you have, because of that 10% potential to turn into something really serious, would all of them need to be treated because you never know which is the one in 10? Yeah, so the, the studies show anywhere between 1% to 10% of these can turn into squamous cell carcinoma, and it's difficult to predict which ones will turn into. However, some of them we call hypertrophic or hyperkeratotic actinic keratoses. Those are the thicker ones and the ones that are likely uh, going to eventually turn into squamous cell carcinoma. So we, we generally, if, if somebody doesn't want all of them treated, we will target the thicker ones. What other sorts of skin conditions do you see more prevalent in summertime? Other skin conditions that we see are, are uh, sunburns, of course. We also see rashes related to sun allergies. So uh, there's something called polymorphous light eruption. You don't see a lot of that in Hawaii other than tourists who come because they haven't been exposed to much sun, and then they come and get their one solid skin ex uh, sun exposure, and then they'll break out in this allergic-type rash. So sunburns, what do I do? If you get a sunburn and it's a pretty bad one, I mean, you know, some people will take aspirin, get rid of inflammation. Some people will use aloe, put that on topically. Mm -hmm. Are there any other, other than don't get burned, well, once it's already happened, what do you do now? That is the problem. Once it's done, the damage has been done. And so really it's all about symptomatic care and, and typically taking ibuprofen, taking uh, uh, the aloe, like you said, and uh, rest and definitely not exposing that sun, that skin to sun until you're completely healed. So there's that myth of I burn and then after that I tan for the rest of the summer and that's purely just a big old myth. Yes. Just don't do that. Just don't. All right. And if you've had a lot of sun exposure when you're younger, you do have a cumulative risk, but it's never too late to protect yourself. Never. Yes. 
in various ways you can do it. Don't go out in the sun if you can avoid it. You know, that's one thing I've noticed is, you know, if I'm working all day, I'm not out in the sun. And then during the weekend, I'll realize, wow, it's really hot out here. How did I not know it was so hot? Because I'm working during the day. So it actually is, you know, don't tell my boss, working during the day is protecting me from skin cancer. That's a good way to think about it. Now, an SPF, you mentioned the barrier ones, the chemical ones, as long as they cover the UVA, UVB, then you should be protected as long as you put them on often enough. Yes. So it doesn't 100% block UV rays, and that's important to know because you are still getting some exposure to UV radiation even with sunscreen on. But yes, uh, the one thing to know about SPF is it's only really an indication of the UVB rays. UVA is not uh, described in the SPF rating. So you have to be sure that the label says broad spectrum UVA, UVB. And then you can feel as though if you apply it often enough and you're careful with using it and you're be careful about what hours you go out in the sun, that oven by itself can be sun protective. And also you can use the excuse as anti-aging. That's right. All right. Well, I want to thank you for sharing your expertise with us today on The Body Show. Dr. Teresa DeVere practices dermatology at Kaiser Permanente. If you'd like to hear this show again, you can click on hawaiipublicradio.org. Follow the links to The Body Show. You can also find us on the HPR app. Our engineer is David Chong. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. And we'll see you next week when we talk more about how to stay healthy and keep yourself well right here on The Body Show. Woo!